Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for all that you're doing in our midst. We thank you for this opportunity uh, to participate with Operation Christmas Child. I thank you for, for Jackie always reminding me each year, and I forgot to point her out to everybody, but I just thank you for her heart and, and motivating us to, uh, to build these boxes to ship to kids around the world. We pray that you would uh, use us, Lord, to be a blessing to these kids and that these boxes would be used to, to share uh, the gospel to these kids all around the world. Um, we just thank you for the opportunity. And Father, as we look at this last section of Colossians, it's, it's uh, interesting and difficult all at the same time. It's a whole bunch of names of people and people we don't know and have no connection with. And we pray that you would just help us, Lord, as we finish up this this letter. And may we be encouraged uh, through your word and help us to see uh, some things that we could apply to our life uh, through this section of scripture. And it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen. All right, so here we are. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. As to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord, will bring you information. We're in Colossians chapter 4, verse 8 now. Uh, For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number, they will inform you about the whole situation here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings, and also Barnabas's cousin, Mark, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Also Jesus, who is called Justice. These are, only, these are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision, and they have proved to be an encouragement to me. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Hyopolis. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings, and also Demas. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea, and also Nympha, and the church that is in her house. When this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. Say to Archippus, Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. And Father, we do thank you for your word. We ask that you would uh, help us as we work through this passage. And it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen. All right, so the number one application, when you're reading through the Bible and you see a name, just say it with confidence. Because nobody knows how you really say it. Like, I just totally faked through that. I have no idea if that's how you say it or not. So when you come across a word in the Bible that you don't know, just fake it. Just say it with confidence, and nobody will question you. Um, so, so 
here we are at the closing of this letter. Like I thought about, oh, I could just tack it on last week and just kind of fly over it, and I opted not to do that. And so here we are with these 11 verses or whatever, trying to figure out like what, what's here. And so this is, um, when I look at this closing section, it's not even so much like what's said, but it's what's revealed. And what I see in this last section is the, the depth of, of relationship within the body of Christ. And if, if so much of this letter of, of Colossians is dealing with like intimacy with Christ, that we have this relationship with Christ, it leads to like intimacy with fellow believers. And so as Paul guides us in this relationship that we have with Christ and how our relationship with Christ works itself out in our lives, as it's working itself out in our lives, if we're walking with Christ, then we will have relationships with the body of Christ. And so as Paul kind of says his closing, there's all of these people that are, that are listed. And some of these people we know nothing about. Some of them, there's some stories, some good, some bad. And so today we're just gonna, we're gonna work through these and then we're gonna take the Lord's Supper, sort of reminding ourselves of the intimacy that we have with Christ and with each other. And so I, I hope we enjoy ourselves because there, there is some fun in here that, I, that I've, I've found. It's been meaningful to me in, in this passage. Uh, verse 7, as to my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bond servant in the Lord, will bring you information. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And so the first guy that we're introduced to is this guy, Tychicus. Uh, we see with, within uh, these verses, we see that he's a, a dear friend of Paul. He's a ministry partner. Uh, his, his purpose of, of coming to the church that's here in Colossae is to deliver information about Paul's situation, which Paul's, he's in jail. And so Paul's been arrested. The church is concerned about Paul. Paul writes this letter to them. Tychicus is coming with a letter and another letter, and he's going to give it to them, but he's also going to kind of just say, like, hey, this is what's going on with Paul. This is how things look. This is what we think is going to happen. Uh, we'll get more into it. I'm not going to shift the slide. We don't need to... Well, maybe we can shift the slide. I'll, I'll, um, so just to, as we talk about the region... No, go back to the first one, please. Um, just to kind of orientate ourselves. So down here at the bottom right, this is Israel. Um, Modern-day Israel... Old day Israel, Israel. So we have the little end of Israel. The church after Christ sort of migrated to Antioch. This Antioch became the headquarters um, for the for the Gentile church. And then from there, they launched to the known world. Missionary journeys went out. This is modern day Turkey. Then we get into modern day Greece. And then we get into modern day Italy. And so the gospel basically made its rounds all through this region. And where we're looking at today is on the western edge the western edge of, of modern-day Turkey. This is a big word, right? Here, a big word, big, big church, Ephesus, where we get Ephesians from. And then we're going to zoom into this location, not to the next slide. And then I'll just sort of leave it there. Um, and so there's Ephesus, the big city there on the coast. Inland, we have three churches that are referenced in, in this letter, and today they're going to come up. These, these churches right here, this is from the churches of Revelation. So these are the seven churches of Revelation, Laodicea is mentioned in Revelation, but in this valley, you have Hyperlis, that's the one I really, I should say with confidence right now. Um, it's, yeah, 
uh, Laodicea and, and Colossae. And so our churches, the one we're studying is Colossae, but these were all connected together, and they're going to reference one another. And I'm just, this slide can just be left up. So as you as you see these words of these locations, that's that's where we're we're dealing with. And so Paul finds himself under arrest, and this letter is being delivered uh, to to them, and with information. And so there's information that Paul wants to communicate to the churches here theologically. And then there's information that's not written that he wants to communicate to them about his personal circumstances and what he is uh, facing. And so they as a church were discouraged because the Apostle Paul was basically in prison facing capital punishment, and, and he ultimately would have his life taken. And so Tychicus is sent to deliver these letters, and his mission is to give them the theological information and also to encourage them in the faith and not to be discouraged about Paul's situation. Then in verse 9, we're introduced to Onesimus. Verse 9, and with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number. They will inform you about the whole situation here. And so now we have Onesimus. They know who he is. Like, they know Onesimus. Uh, But we're informed that he's from this region. And so when he returns to, to them with Tychicus, they kind of know who this guy is. Um, it, he describes him as this faithful and beloved brother. Uh, he's one of them, and he will also, they will inform you, so the two of them will inform you about the whole situation here. And so they're going to talk about Paul's situation, but there's also another situation. And I thought, I'm like, man, this is only 11 verses. It's just a bunch of names. I'm going to run out of time. So I'm gonna, we're going to go through a whole other book of the Bible whole book of the Bible right now. So if you can turn over to Philemon, you might need to go to your table of contents to find it because it's only one page. It's like a little, tiny little book. But so Onesimus had a situation. And, and part of the beauty of Colossians and this, this dynamic of relationships, so Philemon, so don't be embarrassed to go to your uh, table of contents in your Bible. Um, it's, a, it's, it's 25 verses. But with Colossians came the letter Philemon. And Philemon is another man who's not mentioned here who will, will figure out who, he's, who he is. In the list of names, Paul references what we believe is his son. And Onesimus is connected to Philemon. Philemon was a slave owner, and Philemon was, or Onesimus was his slave. And Onesimus escaped and ran away. And then he encounters Paul in Rome. He becomes a believer in Christ. And then Paul says, now that you're a believer, you need to make amends. And so now that you're a believer, you need to make some restoration. You need to, you need to right the wrongs that you've done. And so Paul writes in this letter, Philemon. And so they go back as an ambassador, and then Paul writes this letter that Philemon, or Onesimus is to take to Philemon. And we're just going to read through it to get the, you know, the juicy details about like, what was going on here. And so we read in Philemon, verse 1, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker. So we, first we learn about Onesimus' slave owner, that he is a brother in Christ. So this is a Christian who, who has a slave, Onesimus. And to Aphia, our sister, and to Archicopus, that's the one I stumbled over, which is also in our passage today. They believe that this is his son our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. 
grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. So I mean, this like can get you like emotional. Like, like Paul loves this guy. Like this is a guy who loves the Lord. His wife is walking with Christ. He has a son that's walking with the Lord. There's deep affection. And he's going to ask him to do something difficult. Like he's, he wants to see the gospel manifested in these two guys' lives. And it's going to have an impact on all of the believers in this area and probably the non-believers, quite frankly. Verse 8, therefore, verse 8, though I have enough confidence in Christ Jesus to order you to do what is proper, because remember, he's the apostle. He can kind of, he, he can say, I need you to do this as an apostle of Christ, but he's like, I don't have to do that. I don't have to pull rank on you. Verse 9, yet for love's sake, I'd rather appeal to you. Since I am such a person as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, whom formerly was useless to you, but is now useful to both you and me. I have sent him back to you in person. That is sending my very heart, whom I wish to keep with me, so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but of your own free will. For perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while so that you would have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you regard me as a partner, accept him as you would me. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, I'm writing this with my own hand and will repay it, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self as well. I love this. He's like, but I also want to bring up that you do owe me one. Like, like I want to cash in that favor too. Um, uh, I just, there's like, you, it makes you wonder, like, what was there? He says, you owe me your own self as well. Like, likely Paul led this guy to Christ. And so his soul, like, Paul's like, come on, I'm cashing in that favor. <clears throat> Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Having confidence in you, in your obedience, I write to you. Since, you know, since I know that you will do even more than I, what I say, at the same time, also prepare me a lodging, for I hope that through your prayers I will be given to you. Epaphras, my fellow worker in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Archaeus, all these guys' names again, Archaeus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord be with your spirits. Okay, so we can go back to Colossians. So this is like, like the, the web of these relationships is so meaningful. And so he introduces Tychicus and he says, now, oh, I've said it too many times to like get it out, like without some Onesimus, our faithful, beloved brother, 
who is one of your number, they will inform you of the whole situation here. So they're going to inform him of St. Paul's situation. And I just like, poor Onesimus. Can you imagine, like, maybe it's really easy for me to imagine because I've been in a lot of, like, trouble. Like, the young gunner, like, the trouble I used to get in and they becoming a Christian. And then it's like, oh, I got to write this wrong. I was like, think of Julie Jekyll. People laugh at me. Julie Jekyll, high school. Melanie knows, I think. I think I've confessed about Julie Jekyll. I was in high school, young punk kid, pulled out the chair from behind Julie Jekyll. I thought she saw, but she didn't see. She went down hard, riddled me with guilt all these years. Then I became a Christian. Julie Jekyll is still back in my brain. But what can you do? Then Facebook was invented. (laughs) And then Julie Jekyll popped up in my feed. And it was like, uh, however many years later, I have one message to Julie Jekyll, like, hey, Julie, I don't know if you remember me. She's like, I remember you. <laughs> you remember one time when I was like in geometry class, and I thought it'd be funny if I pulled out the chair, and, you, and I'm like, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian now, and I've been riddled with guilt, and I really feel bad about doing that. And she's like, I don't remember. She probably remembered. She forgave me. But it was like, like, there's part of, like, giving our lives to the Lord where he's going to start, like, you want to be right with me? You need to start, like, apologizing. And and so Julie Jekyll was my, like, where I, like, I really identify with Onesimus. It's like, oh, I got this stinking letter. I got to go back. Like, 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 he comes to Christ with Paul. Paul's all stoked about him. He's, like, really accelerating the Lord as Paul's, like, doing his background check on him. He's like, so where's your story? Like, how did you end up in Rome? That's ah, a funny story. You know, I used to live in this little town. Oh, I know that town. Yeah, you know these people? He's like, oh, no, he knows Philemon. He's like, listen, I was Philemon's slave, and I got out. And Paul's like, what I need you to do is to go back. I know that guy. I need you to go back. I need you to make mends. I, um, you know, he owes me one. I have some, like, I, I, I believe that he loves the Lord. I know he loves the Lord. I know he'll do the right thing. I think that he'll forgive you, and then he'll release you to come back to me. So poor Onesimus has to make this journey. It's, it's, a pow- it's like this powerful story of like, what, what I believe is like uh, reconciliation happened through this, and the church was strengthened. And like I, I wish we, like, I wish we had the rest of the story. Like, this would have been a great movie or book or something, you know, like, the, like if, if we had more. But that's what we have here. Then we go into verse 10. Archicus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings and also Barnabas's cousin, Mark, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And also Jesus, who is called Justice. Uh, these are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision. They have proved to be an encouragement to me. So first we have Archicus. Uh, he was a, we know that he was a Thessalonian, so we went through Thessalonica. I should have had the map, but Thessalonica is up there, uh, probably more in Greece. Actually, maybe the other map has it. Let's see. Let's go back. <clears throat> Who can find it? Okay, Thessalonica. Boom, up there. So Thessalonica is up there. So this guy is from Thessalonica, modern-day Greece. We went through the letter. Um, he was with Paul on Paul's third missionary uh, journey. He now finds himself arrested with Paul. So he's a true friend. You know, like they say, oh, a friend's the one who will bail you out in jail. And they say, no, 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 the true friend is the one that was in jail with you. Like, right? But come on, guys, it's funny. This is like, he's, he's, he's arrested with Paul. 
for doing the Lord's work. Like, he wasn't doing anything f- bad. And so he's in jail with Paul, and he sends his greetings. And then we learn about Barnabas. Now, Barnabas was, was we learn about Barnabas's cousin, Mark. So Mark was Barnabas's cousin. Barnabas was a guy who received Paul into the church. In Acts chapter whatever, um, Paul, on the road to Damascus, is met with his bright light. He falls down. He's arresting Christians. He's killing Christians. All of a sudden, he meets Jesus. His whole life is turned right side up. And he walks to meet this guy blind. The guy kind of like receives him into the church. The church is a little bit uneasy about Paul now becoming a Christian. Sure, he like he just killed one of our guys, Stephen, and he's throwing guy, Christians into jail. He's beating us up. Like Now he's just one of us, sure. And so Barnabas comes along beside him, and Barnabas spends time with him. He gets to know him. He sees his faith is authentic. The Lord confirms everything. Barnabas is then Paul's advocate in the early church to say, this guy is legitimate. He, God has called him to be an apostle. And so we see this just radical friendship between Paul and Barnabas, they start together. They do the first missionary journey. Then uh, we talked about, in the last few months, we talked about this, uh, the, the big event, the Jerusalem Council. Do Gentiles have to be circumcised? Do they have to uh, do, like submit themselves to the, the Mosaic law? They have this big meeting, and they, just, they determine that, no, the Gentiles are saved by faith. They don't have to be circumcised in order to be brought into the fellowship of God. Paul is all excited. Barnabas is all excited. They can go back. They can do their second missionary journey, and they can let all the churches know the good news. And so as they're packing their bags, Barnabas is like, right, I'm going to shoot a text to Mark so he can join us. And Paul's like, oh, time out. Like, what did you just say? He's like, I'm going to get my cousin, Mark, to join us. Paul's like, no, no way, Jose. Like, this guy quit on us on the last missionary. He's not, he's not trustworthy. He's not coming with us. And so we're told at the end of Acts chapter 15 that, that Barnabas and Paul have this huge argument. Like so much so that they part ways. They say, God bless you, but I'm going this way and you're not coming if you're with him. And Mark is at the, like, the center of this controversy. But here we see he's back in cahoots with Paul. And Paul gives a blessing on Mark. And so whatever happened then is now restored. And we're told that Mark might be coming their way. And so Paul says, listen, if he comes your way, this is your instructions. You can receive him into the church, and this is how you handle it. It's this this beautiful picture of, like, within Christianity, Christians can have squabbles because we're like a family, right? Family's like, well, maybe my family. I don't know. Like, like there's tension. But, but then... There's, there can be reconciliation. And so within the body of Christ, there's, there's personality conflict because we all, like, we're saved sinners. And so there was a conflict. Now we see restoration, and they're, they're serving together, and it's a beautiful picture of what God can do within relationships. Then we're introduced to this guy, Jesus called Justice, and Jesus was a common name, but then Jesus kind of, like, occupied that spot. So it's like, yeah, now we're going to not, we're just going to call him Justice for now. We don't know anything else about him. Um, all we know about this batch of guys from verses 10, 10 and 11 is what Paul says, um, these are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision. So he says, these are the only ones who are Jewish that are near me, my, my, my fellow Jews. These are the only ones that are serving alongside of me. So this, what we can say is that there's a special bond between these individuals 
as they serve Christ together with Paul. And because of their background, Paul says that there's been a huge, encourage, a huge encouragement to me. Um, on to verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God, for I testify for him that he has deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea in police police um, there we go. I lost my confidence. Um, <clears throat> so we see that he 's a Colossian, so he 's in this little bubble with him, he knows him. We see uh, that he 's a deep prayer warrior, and Paul says this guy 's like praying for you guys nonstop he's, he's, uh, there's, there's a there 's an example for us. And how we should pray for one another. If you want to grab your church directory, or you just if you write down people's names for church, he says he's always earnestly laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, so that you may stand perfect and fully assured in the will of God. So he's just praying that these people would walk with Christ and that they would grow in Christ and that they would stand firm in Christ. It's this beautiful example to us on prayer. Then he goes on to verse fourteen. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings and also Demas. So we're introduced to Luke. Now, Luke is a physician. Uh, <clears throat> this, this is his occupation. Then he met Christ, or he met Paul. He was introduced to Christ through Paul, and then he tags along with Paul. He kind of becomes Paul's personal physician. Uh, he's, he's on missionary journeys, and he, as an outsider, uh, meaning that he's not Jewish, he decides to document the evidence for Jesus and who Jesus is. He does meticulous research, and he ends up writing the Gospel of Luke, and the Gospel of Luke has this introduction, and it's so long. And basically, in the first four verses, he says, I thought it would be good for me to give an account of these things that happened about Jesus. And so I interviewed all of the people, like firsthand account. He was like the Lee Strobel of the day, like to, to give everything that he could find. He could document it in clear and concise order so that people could know the truth about who Jesus was. And so he pens Luke, and he pens the gospel or, or the Acts, um, the Acts of the Apostles. And as you read through the Acts of the Apostles, midway through it shifts from like third person to all of a sudden first person plural because it's like that's where he joined the story. And so he's this physician that we know sort of more as a historian because of the great detail and, and painstaking effort that he put into documenting the life of Christ during his time. So I'm deeply thankful for Luke and his writing and that God used him and his gifts to, to, to use him in this way. Then we're introduced to a guy that's actually kind of a sad story. Nothing is said here other than the greeting. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greeting. So the purpose that Luke has brought up is just to say hello to everybody and also Demas. Demas says hello. But this is a sad or painful name. Like if you follow the story, so if we have one we have one example of Mark being this, like, there was this fight between them, and they kind of, like, whatever happened with Mark happened, and it wasn't, good. like, whatever it was, it was a mark against him. No pun intended. Or maybe that I should have, you know. It was a strike against him. Like, he left them. He deserted them. Some will say, well, maybe he was sick. But if he was just sick and had to, like, get medically evacuated, I don't think that Paul would be so harsh on him. Like, whatever he did, he abandoned them, I believe. This speculation, so this means nothing. But, but I believe that he abandoned them in the midst of, like, a trial. 
it was too hard on him and he quit. Maybe that's just my SEAL background, but I, I, I saw that he quit on them in the midst of like conflict. And that, that explains why Paul was so adamant against him not coming on this next one. But then later, Paul, as Mark matures and grows and shows himself faithful, Paul says, I'll serve, I'll serve alongside this guy anytime. But now we have Demas. This is the exact opposite. Demas is a guy who walked faithfully with Paul and with Christ. And then at the end of Paul's life, we see that Demas actually abandoned the faith. And it's deeply painful that somebody can start out running the race so strong only to fall away. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, this is what we read about Demas. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. And so as Paul, we know in 2 Timothy, this is Paul's last letter. He's, he's, under, he's under arrest, but this isn't house arrest. This is, he's, he's in a hole in the ground waiting execution, and he would be executed uh, for uh, his crimes against Rome or however for you know, sharing Christ. And so while he's there, as Paul's like, this is like some of the last words that Paul writes. He says, Demas, this dear brother who I've mentioned in other places in my letters, sending greetings, he was faithful, he was alongside of us, he's abandoned the faith for the flesh, for the world. My phone is ringing. Oh, I know what it is. They can bypass my thing, so... The ale nurse is calling for my dad, so we'll just say a quick prayer for my dad that everything's okay. Probably is everything's okay. He's probably just causing trouble. Um, we'll, we'll get to him. I, uh, um, so here we have Demas, and we're told that he, his love of this present world has deserted him, and he's gone to Thessalonica. So it's super sad, exact opposite. When I look at this, like, when I look at these names... Um, like ministry and walking with God is about people. Like it's about people. It, it's not like everything that we do as a church, it's about people. And as we invest and, and give our lives, we, um, maybe Anna can come. They're calling again. So this is unusual. I turned off my cell phone. So Anna can just go figure out what's going on because they don't normally call twice. Um, it's about people. And, and people are like the best thing in ministry and they're the worst thing in ministry. Like, because as you like give of yourselves, like as you invest in other people, like you're giving of yourselves, you're, you're, you're pairing with them and you're putting your, yourself at risk for getting hurt. And so it can be like really difficult. And so with, with, Mar, with this guy, Demas, I, I see like here, Paul's all excited about him. But if we continue the story, Paul's going to get really hurt by this guy. Like at the end of Paul's life, this guy is going to deliver a blow that's going to really be hard for Paul. Um, but then deep joy can come from people and, and, and see. Last night, in fact, Debbie, she doesn't know, she, she shot me an email last night and she somehow like in her, in her, uh, in her Bible, a bulletin fell out or something. Let me just make up the story. Don't you can change the fact. <laughs> so I could tell a great story. We'll just 
So basically, a bulletin fell out of her Bible last night, and it was like when she, uh, it was like the first bulletin she got, and she's like, hey, this weekend is like the 10-year anniversary that I came to our church. And, and it's like, so it kind of had me thinking, it's like, she, you can get the real story from her. I got the email from her saying that today's the 10-year anniversary, so I know that part is true. And she was like saying, ah, oh, it's kind of like for her, kind of remembering back then, like where she was that she ended up here. And then I was like, oh, man, I wonder where I was. Like, was that like a super discouraging Sunday? Or was that the, like the last happy Sunday I had? And then Debbie's been busting my chops ever since then, you know? Like, um, but like, I think of the memories. Like, like, and when I think about the people who like we invent, like, it's just neat as we go through like, like, uh, like highs of people's lives and we can rejoice with them. We also have gone through valleys with people within our, and, and we, our hearts break. And, this is like so much of this last section is dealing with that. Okay, verse 15. We got to move along here. Uh, Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also Nympha and the church that is in her house. So there's, a, there's this whole other category of believers who are not mentioned by name except for the lady, Nympha, who opened up her home to have the church meet. The church is not a building. Church is people. The people together are the church. This is just a building where the church meets. And, and it's very important to get this understanding. So, so the people are the church, and the, the people meet at her house, and they worship there. And so, um, again, this lady's just pointed out, thank you for your hospitality. And so many people within the church, like, open up their homes to, to do things. Like, I think about the Bible studies during the week. I think of since Debbie, I already talked about her, the Bible trivia or Bible trivia or Bible bingo, whatever we do it, like the once a month that we all just descend on our house and have a wonderful time. Uh, relationships. Verse 16, when this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. So, so Paul sent these letters to this region to circulate. He says, read this letter. When you get this letter that we have in our hands, Colossians, it's to be read amongst the churches. It's to all of the churches to read and to understand it wasn't exclusively for them. There was important content that they needed to have. Once they had it, once they copied it down, then they could pass it to the Laodiceans. And then we're told that there's a letter coming from the Laodiceans to them, which we don't have. Like, we, we don't have this letter. We don't know anything about it. But whatever that letter is from Paul, it was important to them. God didn't preserve it for us to have. It wasn't, he didn't need it, us to have it. But whatever that was, it was to them, and they were to read it, and they were given instructions. Then we're told in verse 17, say to Archipipus, or maybe, I don't know how you roll a P. Um, I'm working on rolling R's, but I don't. Is it just that? I want to roll it. I've been taking my Spanish lessons. I like to roll. Like I'm, um, okay. <laughs> so, to, so to Archie, yeah. He says, to do, he says, like, so then he calls out this guy. And remember, this guy is Philemon's, we believe it's Philemon's son, who in Philemon, he says good things about him. He says, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. And so over there, he refers to him as a fellow soldier. So it's, Paul speaks of him highly. And, and this whole, what, what Paul says to him, it's, most commentators think what that's being said here is that this is a young guy that may be wandering or may not be taken seriously, and he's trying to, like, fire him up to say, hey, like, you've been called to the ministry. We can see God's hand in you. We can see your gifting. Take heed to it. Be serious about it. And, and so that seems to be that. Then Paul says, verse 18, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. 
So he's, he was known writing the last line in his own handwriting. It was thought to be large because his eyes were bad. Uh, his hands were probably shaky. He didn't write as neatly as a scribe. And so he would sign it at the very bottom in his own handwriting just to authenticate that the letter was actually from him. So he says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. Don't forget about him. May God's grace be upon you. Okay. So as we conclude, if you want to start working on your communion juice, be careful with it. People have asked when we're going back. Well, maybe when we run out of these little things. <laughs> Waste not, want not. Although it's kind of easy just having you guys be able to grab them, except for this part and the taste part. Like that's the, Other than that, it's super easy. Okay, so as we conclude Colossians, so what do we do with this? Like, like, to me, this is so special. We, we conclude Colossians, and what's, what's shown at the end of Colossians is all of these relationships. And, and this is at the heart of the gospel. The, the gospel, what Jesus did on the cross, which we are commemorating here, what we do in memory, is that Jesus died on the cross. He absorbed the wrath of God so that as we place our faith in him, we have this relationship with him. And not just some distant, like, two-dimensional God that's out there somewhere, but we have this relationship with this God who loves us, who cares for us. Uh, I, I still think about when I was on vacation and we started this and John was preaching and, like, that idea of, like, intimacy with Christ, that what this is symbolic of is that Christ died for us so that we could have intimacy and a genuine relationship with God. And, and what did Jesus say the most important thing of the whole Bible was? To, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, soul, like all, everything. And then they said, well, what's the second thing? To love others. And so as we encounter our creator, it's going to affect how we interact with one another. And, and when I look at Colossians, as I read this list of names, I see lots of stories of redemption. I see there's some sloppiness. It's messy, but they're united through Christ. And, and that's what we are. Like, for those of us who have received Christ as our Savior, we have redemption in him. We also are sinners, and so we have messy backgrounds and, and wounds of the past, and Christ heals those, and he allows us to be a bunch of people from different backgrounds and, and, and how we view stuff and the things that we've done. Like, we, we are an odd bunch of people. And nobody laughed. It's like it was like amen. Like can I say amen there in that part? Like I, I, uh, um, like like we are. Like I, I seriously, I wouldn't hang out with most of you people if I wasn't a Christian. But then because I'm a Christian, I'm like super united to you, and you guys are like closer to me than than my family. And I love all of you, and and all all of our idiosyncrasies and how we do light. Like it's it's a beautiful thing that God has done here. And so we take communion to remind ourselves to get back to the basics, to, to, re, to remember that this is what it's all about. Like, I have this relationship with him, not because of what I've done, but because of what he has done on my behalf. And because of what he's done on behalf, my behalf and your behalf, and as we lean into him and he fills us with his spirit and, and we go through life, suddenly, like, we can have these relationships that are meaningful, as we go through life and we get knocked down and we have lows, we have a church family that is there to like come alongside of each other and to love on individuals. As you're going through 
the, the, the highs of life. We have a church family that, like, that, that comes around you. Um, like, like I'd love last week, like, at a, at a huge, like, I'm not knocking any churches or anything like that, but, like, we're a smaller church. Like, we're a small church. You know, last week, Tim and Melanie introduced that they're getting engaged, and it's like we're having, like, this total, like, res- like party in here last week. And, and then they're, like, you know, when you're this, like, I, I, I believe in asking for forgiveness, not permission. And so, <laughs> and Melanie's, like, super nervous. But, like, they're going to get married on a Sunday. They're, like, well, we love everybody, but we have to, like, you can, you can only invite so many people. And they're, like, well, it's like well, so we'll probably end up doing something on church on Sunday. They don't even know what's coming. But we'll do something to, like, as the warm-up party to the marriage to, like, and it's and why? Because we're like a fa- like we're a family, and it's like they, like you, like weddings are expensive. Like you just can't invite the whole world. It's not like we're you know, um, so. But it's a way for all of us to participate here and not be you know to like let them do their wedding. But for all of us to say, we'll do church a little bit differently. We'll figure it out then. We'll make sure we land somewhere where there's a wedding in the Bible, and we'll do a little like pray for them. And <laughs> no dance, no dance. Okay, she doesn't want to dance. She doesn't. Want to. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we're going to take the Lord's Supper <laughs> before I get in trouble. Melanie's going to start throwing stuff. Um, but my point, just to make sure, is like we're united through Christ. Like we, like we have this relationship with one another. And the relationships within the body of Christ should be meaningful and they should be real and they should be the ups and the downs and everything in between. And through God's grace, we can forgive each other, we can love on each other, we can be gracious to one another, and it is a beautiful thing when the body of Christ is united through his love. And so, Father, we do thank you and praise you um, for your word. We thank you for this letter of Colossians that uh, speaks of the, the majesty of Christ, his sufficiency, his uh, telling us that he spoke the world into existence. And that through his work on the cross that we can have this intimate, meaningful relationship with him. And as we work through this letter, as we conclude today, we see all of these relationships, really the last two chapters, relationships that include marriage, um, our workplace, uh, our parents and ch- children. And, and here we see Paul's relationships himself, this, this beauty. We see pain, we see excitement, we see restoration and reconciliation. And so, Father, we pray that as we take the Lord's Supper today, that you would help us to keep Christ in the center of all that we do, and that you would help us to be a body that truly does reflect um, your gospel. May we be a, a people who are filled with a lot of grace. May we receive your grace. May we dish out your grace. Uh, May we love on each other and honor your name in all things. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen.